Now, when you've been in the pet nutrition business and the pet food business for over 100 years, I suspect you know what you're talking about. And Kamel Kent from WellPet, you personally haven't been in the pet business of feeding pets for 100 years, but your company WellPet have. How have things changed in the past century? Well, I think there's been some significant changes, the most significant being the emergence of natural. And I think that really stems from the fact that you know, parents are treating their pets as their own children and they want to apply the same nutritional philosophy to their pets as they do to themselves and their two-legged children. So we're really seeing a lot of people be very focused on what's in the food, how to have less processed food and really uh, focusing on natural nutrition. So less is more is in fact what you're saying. Uh, how does the debate between sort of dried food, kibble and, and the natural, so we, we have lots of people here selling frozen uh, food, raw meat effectively, how, how do the two compare? Um, I, think I think they're both very different. They have different nutritional philosophies. I think that what we're finding is that, you know, if when you feed your pet, what you put down in the bowl has to provide all their nutritional needs, so it needs to be complete and balanced, and I think that's a lot easier in a kibble. Um, definitely what we're seeing is people adding raw to their diet, so a lot of people are topping with raw, you know, using dehydrated food and mixing it up and reconstituting or putting, like, wet gravies on. So I think that there's a nice balance between, you know, at least from the research that we've done even as people enter the raw category 85% of them still use kibble as a base because they know that they can get the nutrition that their pet needs out of the kibble We watch all of the, um, the cooking shows on television and the big thing that all the top chefs say is that consumers are really interested in the provenance of the ingredients that go into the food we feed ourselves Is that now becoming the case with pet nutrition? Yeah, it definitely is for some pet parents. I think it, de- you know, it depends on whether you're uh, feeding a single protein diet or whether you're feeding something that has mixed proteins in it. Um, we've just launched some products that are very focused on the provenance of where the seafood comes from, where the lamb comes from, where the chicken comes from. Um, but not every, not everybody's worried about that yet for their pets. We've already mentioned there's, there's a lot of choice uh, in the, the pet food markets, whether you're, whether you're a dog person, cat person, whatever it might be. How do people navigate through the noise that's out there from advertising and, and claims? Because everybody claims that, that their, their food is different. And maybe we, we turn to, this is a great title, Global Expert on Canine Nutrition, Dr. Danielle Bernal. How, how do people navigate that, that pathway? Yeah, I think it's a really hard one. And I think, you know, as people eat it, just walk into any pet store, you're like, there are so many brands, each one's talking great benefits, but how do I cut through? What I always recommend pet parents do is grab those bags and turn them over. The first things you can look at is actually those ingredients listed in the product, but also the guaranteed analysis. Because we're seeing you know, more and more of these trendy ingredients, but what we want customers to look at is truly what's the nutrients their dogs are gonna get. And that's a focus we've really dedicated ourselves to, to going, are they getting the right balance? Because I don't think anyone's thinking about that when they talk about their nutrients. So what is the right balance? Yeah, so I think what we're seeing in the past is that there were diets very high in carbohydrates. And that's where you'll see in some cases over 50% of what that dog was eating was carbohydrates. And whilst dogs can digest it, it's maybe not the right way to feed them. We're also seeing in the other spectrum now this whole mentality of feed them like a wolf, feed them like their ancestors. And again, you know, that chihuahua is probably not out there hunting the fields nor running 25 kilometres a day and not going through feast and famine. So they don't need a diet like a wolf, which is high fat. What we do with core is we take an approach, for example, of feeding them the right balance of high protein because we know that it's most digestible, they need it, they use it in so many ways, 
low carbohydrates because you know they need a little bit but they don't need a lot and then a moderate fat level to keep them nice in optimal body composition as well and that's our approach to making sure they're getting the right nutrition and that it's balanced you go into a, a pet food store yep. and and every company is, is making claims that they are the best yes. um, it's confusing for the consumer isn't it do people really have or have the time to do what you're suggesting or is it a case that they need educating to do that because it's in everybody's best interest yeah i think they should always ask questions about what's going wrong with or right with their dog I think most often they'll have those moments when there's what I like to call a point of market change. So something's not right with their dog. Either he's got an upset tummy, his coat's not looking great, and that's when they'll seek the advice. But what we're also finding is a lot of pet parents now are doing a lot of research online. Um, so, you know, our pets are our fur family, and we want the best to them. As Camille mentioned, you know, they're now looking at that, how do we imitate our nutrition onto them? So I think pet parents now are taking it that next level, but we just need to help educate them and cut through that marketing spin at the same time. Now, I know that one of the things you've been doing here uh, with your work with WellPet is, is canine, uh, canines in the, in the canines, actually. Isn't it? It's yeah, the teeth. Right. You've been looking at teeth in dental inspections. What have you found? So the interesting thing is even in these top show dogs, we've seen the exact same incidence of dental disease as what we see out there in every other pet parent's home. So 80% of adult dogs are suffering some kind of dental disease, and that's exactly what we've seen here at Crufts as well today, doing our dental um, checks with all the pet parents. So it really and truly is the number one issue affecting dogs. And something, all of them, when I ask them, so have you been brushing your teeth? Or are you doing anything for their teeth? They all literally look ashamed. And like, no, no, I'm not. So this is where we're trying to also help educate. That, you know what? If you do something every day by giving them a dental chew, for example, versus getting a toothbrush and trying to coerce your pup to let you brush their teeth, that's going to help them in the long run. And I think that's a great message that, especially, you know, as dental months come to a close, but we can keep reinforcing to make sure our pet's going to live longer and healthier. You've identified uh, a prevalence of, of individuals not wanting to, to brush their teeth yes. and take it seriously. On a practical level, how does the consequence of that manifest itself in the health of the dog? Yeah, so it's no different to if you or I stopped brushing our teeth. You'd start to see that discoloration on their teeth, which is the plaque build-up. Left, like, left on the teeth, that turns into tartar, which is that hard brown surface, a lot more difficult to get off. And the biggest worry with the dogs, if you're not doing anything, is that that can then start to interfere with the gum line. And that's when, if you ever lift your dog's lip and have a look at it, you'll see that red gum. That's when it can start to lead to the bacteria getting into the bloodstream. That's when you can start to have the tooth loosening. And of course, that's when you're gonna get a lot of pain. Um, there's nothing worse we know than a toothache, but there's awfully a, lo a lot of dogs out there that are gonna be having that and the owners may not realize. So a stitch in time definitely saves nine when it comes to dental health. So feed a daily chew da you know, every single day. Um, and that's going to help keep their teeth clean. I guess that's just about responsible dog ownership, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, of taking re responsibility for the pet that you have. Uh, Kamel, just, just back to you briefly. Uh, your organisation's been around for 100 years. You've yeah. been part of the changes in the whole nutrition. Sometimes consumer um, demand drives what you do, I'm sure. That's the commercial side of it. If you could look into your crystal ball, What's going to happen in the next 10 or 20 years in terms of the way that we, we feed our pets? It's a really interesting question and something we debate a lot. Um, I think that people are going to continue to want less ingredients. Um, so, you know, how do you have less, a, a much shorter ingredient deck on the back of the pack? I think people are still going to want to have convenience. You know, that's where we are thinking there's going to be some interesting plays in the fresh and frozen space because at the moment most of the fresh frozen product has that ick factor so how can you work out from an innovation standpoint to deliver it in a way that 
you don't feel bad putting it in the you know in the refrigerator or freezer with what you've got for your own food in the refrigerator or freezer and then I think there's going to be some interesting emergence of sort of connected homes and devices that allow you to you know either reorder or feed your pet directly from your phone so you know feeding devices and things like that are going to really start to emerge in the space and I guess on a practical level for household budgets the you know the cost of feeding a pet on top of veterinary bills and insurance you know is a consideration as well and in your thinking there must be a sort of uh, a ceiling as to what people will pay for premium foods against the return that they get in terms of the wealth, the health of their dog. Yeah, you would think that, but we're not seeing that. We have a lot of different brands, more so in the US than we have currently in the UK. We only launched into the UK market uh, three years ago, which obviously we're really excited to be at Crufts today, launching the brand to a broader community. Um, and every family's different. You know, there's people that their their dog is their only family member, um, and those people are often willing to pay more. Um, and then there's definitely people that want good quality nutrition on a budget. And you know, we try and make sure that we have everything. We don't want to be exclusionary, um, but we want to make sure that we've got the right product for people in the market. Final critical question: Are you both dog owners? Of Absolutely. <laughs> and have you got the healthiest dogs with the best teeth? in the whole world? Uh, I think I do. (laughs) I can say I do too. I have a 16-year-old Border Collie who's still in perfect condition and her teeth are looking pretty clean. It's the only answer you could give really, wasn't it? Fantastic. (laughs) Lovely to catch up with you both. Uh, Thanks for coming in to see us and enjoy the rest of Crofts. Thank you. Thank you so much.